you go on a short-term mission trip and you think, oh, I'm going to just go bless and I'm just going to be this, you know, amazing gift to these people. And turns out you're so humbled and you're the one who receives the gifts and comes back so much more full than anything that we could ever give. And, and that's, that's leadership to me too is, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to be such a gift to these people. No, um, they're going to be a gift to you. Welcome to She Leads Podcast. This is a podcast about leadership, faith, and relationships. I'm your host, Thea, and I'm so excited you joined us today. Today, we have an extra special guest. My dear friend, Nikki Gage, is going to join us. She is a leader and a teacher, and she's um, just a wonderful woman and mother. She's a student, and she has a lot to share with us, and so I'm so excited that she is going to join us today on this podcast, uh, our episode two, continuing to talk about what is uh, a woman leader, why are women called into leadership, and what unique talents and gifts do we bring to the table and the settings in which we are called to lead. Um, I'm so excited to have Nikki with us today, and so I'm going to ask her to introduce herself and share with us uh, just a fun fact we wouldn't find about you, maybe on your bio or your resume or in a professional setting. Tell us a little bit more about you, Nikki. Yeah, I'm really glad to be here. This is super fun. I um, first like this is wild that we are recording one of our conversations because I feel like if there are conversations that should never be recorded, (laughs) ours are the ones who like should not be. And so um, stepping out of a comfort zone here and just saying, yeah, um, I will share in this honor, honest space that we've always had together. So thanks for having me there. the first thing that comes to mind when people are like, tell me something unique about you that sets you apart from the rest of the world is that I really don't like Starbucks. And I know you do. <laughs> and so I'm just making that confession here today. Like, I, I just really don't like Starbucks. I, I think they burn their coffee mm-hmm. and they put a lot of stuff into it. Yeah. And so I'm just coming out and I'm just going to let you know. All right. I, I love you. you and I love our friendship, but I, I can't. Um, I don't know if you noticed, I've had a chai tea the last several times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, that, that makes me pretty much that apart from the rest of the world. Yeah. 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 Um, we can get into Starbucks. It's not my most favorite coffee. I know. It's just accessible. I know. And I know what I'm going to get and it's there. So, you know, <laughs> it's one of the things. It's convenient. But... I know it's not your favorite, but um, I thought, what does set apart Nikki from the rest of the world? And it's that I, unlike every person on the planet, I like it. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Cool. Well, I still love you. And I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad. <laughs> So let's just start by, why don't you share your leadership journey? Like, what are some of those leadership milestones that has led you to where you are today and, and how you're leading today? Yeah. Um, hmm. I think the key thing that has separated me from a lot of other people that I see in leadership is that um, I had to wait a long time. Like, I had to get over myself before I was willing to see myself in that realm. Because I remember when I first stepped into like a church and just different things and teaching opportunities, everybody's like, oh, you're really so gifted in this. And like, I would hear that and feel that and want that, but I would never grab a hold of it. And so it really took some maturity and some vulnerability to say, all right, maybe I do have this thing that people have been saying about me my whole life because you know people can tell you like oh you're so pretty those are fun to believe and it's like yeah I am I'm so pretty everybody tells me I'm so pretty um side note thanks for not telling me we were getting dressed for today anyways um those are easier to believe I think when people tell you things that require a vulnerability it makes it harder and so um it wasn't until after I had kids 
And you have to let go of a lot of your own pride and things and start to step into what, what am I not only doing with this life, like now that I'm getting older, but like, what am I leaving? What am I showing my kids? How am I modeling what a uh, full life is and what a life that really follows Christ looks like? And that means stepping out of your comfort zone a lot. And so, um, I mean, you know the story. It was with you that I got to uh, have the first conversation about joining into a role in ministry, and it was a need. I needed to do something outside of my house. I had two toddlers at home, and there was an opening at the church that we worked at, and so it was just like, hey, I like her, and I like church, and I like kids, so maybe I could just do this part-time thing 10 hours a week, and um, the more that I was there, the more I felt my heart led to I really want to be a part of this work. I really enjoy this. This is meaningful, and not only now do I get life from being away from my kids for a little bit and feeling purposeful and like I'm doing something, but wow, I really get life from what God is doing in this. And so uh, I wanted to be more a part of it and um, got to grow in from that 10 hours a week. And then eventually to like a full-time role in family ministry, um, which was really cool because I am not the person that should be leading family ministry. It was all God's grace. Of just saying, hey, you do have this voice. You do have something to give. I have redeemed you and I have strengthened you. You know, in scripture, Jesus is talking to Peter after he uh, has re resurrected and ascended and then come back. And he's talking to Peter and he's like, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Mm -hmm. But when you're done with that, I want you to take heart because I prayed for you and you're going to turn back and strengthen your brothers. And that's been my heart's cry mm -hmm. of just like, Lord, family was hard growing up. Uh, I think a lot of people's families are hard growing up. So I'm like, that's not unique to me. I definitely have a story, but it's not unique. It's just now God gets to you. I get to be a part of using that for strengthening other people. And so the more that I let go of myself and see what God is doing, it's really propelled me into this purposeful. Um, yeah, this is what I am doing. This is really who I am. It's not just a job. It's a vocation. So um, now I'm just open. My eyes are open to like, Lord, how would you lead through me? Yeah. So, so yeah, we did share uh, a great time together in, uh, in ministry and in leadership and predominantly working with families. Um, I've shared before, it's been uh, some of the greatest time in my career is the experience we had together uh, out in Manville and being a part of what God was leading and seeing my own gifts and talents be used in a unique way. But then also one of the greatest joys was the other leaders mm -hmm. around me who I got to see um, who we willingly made space for and then got to just be in awe of God working in you too. So talk to me a little bit about what it was like to be led beyond family ministry and what that was like. Mm -hmm. And um, especially for you and your background and what you had maybe uh, at one time thought your role included. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in a church denomination where it's like, oh, women, you, this is what, of course, of course you lead children. That's what you do. Um, that's what women do. That's a great voice for you. You are a nurturer and all of these things. Um, and the opportunity came then to step into leadership of the whole church. Um, and I just, everything in me, like I retreated. I was like, oh no, 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 no. Let me get back to my safe cave. I, I don't like this. This is, this is not, but it wasn't something I could say no to. It was an opportunity that I knew that God was going to be a part of. I prayed. I asked my husband to pray with me. Like we spent a lot of time fasting and just really seeking God's wisdom through that. And um, it was something that I've said before, like, I'm not one to say no to God. Um, it doesn't go well for me when we do. And so um, 
I stepped into it. And that really was the the point where the Lord was like, I have given you these gifts. Will you see? Will you now see yourself the way that I see you? Um, will you begin to really give me everything that you have and surrender your talent and take hold of the joy that is set before you, right? I mean, because that's what it all is. It's like ministry is so much work and it is so grueling and there's so much to it, but there's there's so much joy that is there. And it just like the Lord grabbed my heart and said, I have something more for you. And I had to let go of all of these expectations that people had about where I should serve and what I should be doing and what role and whether I was serving my family still first and all these different things. And that really got turned up on side on top of its head. Um, we'll talk about that later, but yeah, it just, it was the Lord saying, will you really serve me? Will, do you really trust me um, to let go of your comfort, to let go of your own understanding really? And let me do a work through you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was, it's a lot of fun. Um, I love teaching. It is, um, it's just as much of a work for me as it is for anybody else. Um, God works through me. It's like a short-term mission trip. I've said it, you know, you go on a short-term mission trip and you think, oh, I'm going to just go bless and I'm just going to be this, you know, amazing gift to these people. And turns out you're so humbled and you're the one who receives the gifts and comes back so much more full than anything that we could ever give. And, and that's, that's leadership to me too is, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to be such a gift to these people. Huh. No, um, they're going to be a gift to you. Yeah. So what was it like to, uh, lead your first sermon preaching in front of, uh, <laughs> well, uh, I did my first sermon when I was still in family ministry, right? <clears throat> Cause it was a parental sermon. Mm. So, um, you know, a mom is a big parent. So, uh, we needed a female voice in that and, um, definitely felt like I, I had started to say what God had been stirring in my heart a lot more. Um, and then, I mean, my love language is words of affirmation, right? Like, oldest child, somebody please just see me and tell me I'm doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the Lord's affirming, like, how was that for you? What did, what did you see there? What did you learn? How did you grow? Mm-hmm. Um, and then over the next couple of years, you know, preaching was, um, it was so growing, um, you know, especially when you do it regularly, it's like, oh, I'm going to say more words next week. Wow. Are they going to want to hear what I have to say next week? These words were good. <laughs> Um, do I have more good words in me? And, um, yeah, it just forced this whole, like, I have to remove myself. I have to move out of the way so that God can be a part of. And then hearing older people come and say, wow, your sermon really moved me. Huh? No, 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 no. Like I'm this 35 year old mom, right? My words don't move you. You're been on the earth 60, you know, 30 more years than I am. You're in your sixties. Like, how is this possible? Um, and again, it's just, wow, God, you really do use every one mm-hmm. of us. You really do need every single one of us. The body of Christ is so incredible mm-hmm. that you could use me to change and move the heart of this person who's been following you faithfully for like my entire lifetime. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think that's, that's the work that Jesus is, is like the unexpected. Mm-hmm. Let me take the person over here on the sidelines and let me pull them in. So yeah, that's what that, that was like, was just 
it also opened my eyes to be willing to listen to voices that I wasn't willing to listen to before because of the same things of like, oh, well, I mean, you've lived a whole different life than me. You've had affluence your whole life or, you know, you've lived in a whole different area. Like, you don't understand me. But the thread that God weaves through the spirit of his people can be understood by everyone. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So why do you think God chooses women for leadership? Uh, what is it that that women bring to to Christ's mission? Mm-hmm. Oh, um, you know, so I lead I lead Young Life here in Pearland, and I spend a lot of time with teenagers. And when I first started this, it's it's a new journey. It's where God's led me just in the last few months. Um, I had to then learn how to disciple teenagers, which is really scary because they don't listen to anything or anyone. Um, reminding me of that, like, oh, wow, God's going to use my voice to teach these kids. Like, I'm not cool. I'm not hip. They have this weird thing now where um, showing your toes is completely not cool. Okay. Sandals <laughs> are not okay. Okay. Good um, to know. <laughs> I have cute toes and I like to have the pedicure done. And so I wear sandals all the time. So just little things like being ragged at because my toes <clears throat> are out while I'm trying to like lead a message here. So this is this is where I am. But I had no idea where, what to do with these kids. And so I was like, you know what? I've really enjoyed watching The Chosen. It's solid. It's got good theology. It's this beautiful picture. They all do a great job. Who doesn't? I mean, nobody wants to read a book anymore, right? So let's watch a show and talk about the book. Um, and so the very first episode of season one, Jesus Calls Mary. Yeah. And um, man, you know, just this powerful redemption. Yeah of the very first disciple, and and that's so debated and whatever, who cares? Maybe, just maybe, Jesus chose this woman to be the first disciple. Maybe this woman who was just in the worst of worst. I mean, just demonized and cast out and hated and hated herself even, I'm sure. You know, like nobody who's in that way that's doing evil things that are self-harm, like you hate yourself, obviously, at that point. Um, the lowest of low, and and it, maybe Jesus chose her to be the first. And so we moved through a few other pieces, and then you see um, Jesus at the very end of season one, the last episode, season eight, Jesus with the Samaritan woman. And then she gets to be the first Come on. witness. Come on. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and I love it so much because Peter gets excited, and Peter's like my favorite character in the whole thing. But Peter gets excited. He's like, you told her. You told her as she's running down, like in this weird, like the magician from Frosty the Snowman is what she looks like <laughs> running down the hill, like come and see this man who told me everything that I've ever done yeah. and just the joy that is with her. And then Peter turns and he's like, you told her it's it. We get to start telling people now. And, and, and it's just like this cool thread to like Jesus used women to tell his story, probably because we were willing to talk, <laughs> you know, I mean, Men just have this, this, I don't want to talk about this or that. Mm. This makes me look weak. This makes me look yeah. like I'm in my emotions too much. Yeah. Whereas women like, I'm swimming in my emotions. Come on. Yes. Come on in with me. The water's nice. Um, yes. Or the water's real murky, but maybe yours is too. And we could, you know, ride this wave together. Yeah. I think it's our willingness to follow. And I think it's our gift of faith. Mm. Um, I've heard so many countless stories. I mean, there's stories in scripture about Timothy's mother and grandmother uh, my own grandmother and my role in my life and just countless women whose 
vulnerability and humility and willingness to get on their knees and pray. Um, I think the Lord honors that and loves that. And it does step us out of what the culture says. We are marginalized on so many expectations when it comes to the <laughs> the picture that people are expected to see, right? Like, so I, I did a wedding over the weekend. And when I walked in and introduced myself to the wedding coordinator, um, she was like, oh, huh. I was expecting a really tall man. <laughs> and I just couldn't help but giggle. I was like, oh, huh. You got a five foot three woman. <laughs> this is what God sent. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and the best part was my husband was with me. And so walking out, he was like, Do you get that a lot? And I was like, mm. Well, no, because I don't do a lot of weddings. Um, but like it didn't phase me. Like I just laughed it off and went on about it. But you know, you think about that and it's just, ew, mm. what an ugly thing to say. Like, I didn't walk in and be like, oh wow, I was expecting a really pretty person that looked like they had it all together you know like not that she wasn't but like just right. the equivalency of the words that come out of people's mouths yeah. and our expectations are just um wild and so I think yeah. that God does that's what he does he's like I hate your expectations I don't mm -hmm. like the boxes that you put people in come on get them out get them out yeah. and so I think women are the ones who are like well I mean, I'm here, I'm doing the work. I might as well step up and do something else. Um, yeah. We have a willingness and a heart mm. for the work that God does. And so, yeah, I think we break those expectations. I love that. I love what you said about God chose women because we'll be willing to talk about it, yeah. right? And there's lots of debates about how many actual words men and women use, but <laughs> I do believe women are more open to talk about their feelings okay. and their emotions and how what they have experienced has changed them. Mm -hmm. And so you go back to that woman at the well and how the, the disciples knew they had, a you know, what is it? Peter's brother, the way he gets them is like, hey, I think it's the Messiah. Yeah. Like, we got to go. You know what I mean? But this woman has this, you know, in comparison, short encounter and is changed and comes to believe mm -hmm. and immediately goes to tell. Yeah. Right. And her whole town who doesn't like her, who doesn't, not even her friends, not even, you know, whereas, whereas again, maybe with, with at least those men in that story, they're willing to tell their brother, mm -hmm. you know, I'll tell this one guy mm -hmm. who I'm really close with. And I'm even like, Hey, I don't really know, but maybe I don't know. Come see yeah. where she's just out there with it. Right. Like just out there. And I also love how you mentioned, you know, not only are we willing to talk about our emotions, but what I experience is that we're willing to bring them to the table. Mm -hmm. And something I've found, and I think we experience this together as we, <laughs> sure, <laughs> as we co-led in similar spaces that at that table that we were, um, I felt honored to be at and, and, and glad to be at that I could say, hey, what about the other people in the room? Mm -hmm. What about the other people, this decision and this direction affects? What about their families. Like I always felt like sometimes as often as the only woman, mm -hmm. the only one saying that, and I don't know what the others were thinking, but I was the only one saying it. And that's where I also feel like God chooses women and calls us and equips us because we are willing to say those things. Mm -hmm. We're willing to say, Hey, let's think about this. <laughs> let's talk about this. Right. Um, I would argue that the circles that are made up of 
only men. And I can unfortunately point to areas of the church and certain denominations that have a lot of sexual problems. I feel like one of the, one of the issues is there's no women at the table saying, Hey, mm-hmm. Hey, Mm-hmm. let's talk about our feelings, guys. <laughs> let's talk about what's really going on. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about these cues that I'm seeing. And let's talk about these circumstances we're putting ourselves in that are unhealthy for us and the people we've been blessed and called to lead. Um, and that's, that's something I feel too, is that that's why it's important that women are in leadership and that we're willing to step into it. And, and I would argue in the church, mm-hmm. You know, um, reading these post-resurrection stories and mm-hmm. and and seeing it's the women first who find out that Jesus is really risen, mm-hmm. right? Not missing, not uh, disappeared, right? Fully risen, fully alive. And I read a commentator say the church is built on women. Mm-hmm. Well, come on, we got to step up and step into it, right? We just got to own it and live into that. So. Um, Thank you. Thank you for sharing uh, your words about that. Um, For the women out there, the women who have the gifts and the talents or even just the yearning and burning on their heart, this calling of uh, if it's as minimum as I got to get away from these kids for an hour or two and talk to some adults and be reminded that I have um, additional worth or these women who are in churches and feeling called or feeling like, I don't think I'm ready, but I want to want Mm-hmm. What would what would you say just one next step? What's the one next step for them to take to begin to step into um, the possibility and the realm of leadership? Yeah, um, I've come to love the saying that Young Life has. Our founder, Jim Rayburn, in 1941 said, prayer is the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I fully believe and have experienced that God will move. God will invite. God will stir your spirit to where you can't be at peace anymore or give you that desperation of, man, I'm doing this for all the wrong reasons, but I'm stepping in. Um, you know, I'm not doing this to lead. I'm doing this because I need some sanity. I'm doing this because I'm in a deep circle of depression and I have to get out. Like God will make it evident to you. Um, so prayer really is, is the first and most important thing. And the second thing is let go of expectations, um, of yourself, of other people, Um, God has a unique and beautiful purpose and we can say it over and over and over again, but we have to believe it about ourselves. Mm -hmm. God has a unique channel for every single willing voice Mm -hmm. to be used. Even if it's just one life that has moved closer to God, it's worth it. Mm -hmm. Um, So let go of expectations that it has to look a certain way or that it has to be big or it has to be so charismatic or, or whatever it is, whatever you're carrying, like let that go and be willing to be moved into what God is doing because every single time we do, God's power is made evident through that and he receives the glory and that's what we're created for. Mm-hmm. We are created to glorify our creator. We are creatures mm-hmm. and um, life gets so full yeah. when we're just willing to do what we're created to do. I love that. It reminds me of the passage in Matthew where Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary. He doesn't say, and get your life together (laughs) and figure out what's next and get out of your slump and make a difference. Create a five-year plan. (laughs) I need a 90-day action plan. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) Instead, 
He just says, come, right? And that's what I hear too with prayer. Just come. Yeah. Be willing to go to God. Be willing to begin that conversation, even if it's an angry, screaming one. Yeah. At least you're talking. Yeah. <laughs> We've had those. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Talk to me just a minute about Young Life. What is it? What are you doing? Tell me, tell me how you're leading there. Yeah. So um <laughs> one of those ways that God is crazy. Young Life um is <sighs> It is a, a, a ministry that goes into the life of young people. It is um, earning the right to be heard. It's building relationships with students who, for a multitude of reasons, may never have the opportunity to feel like they are cared about by the church, to feel like they are seen, to feel like they belong in a generation that is so desperate for identity and purpose and belonging. Um, instead of saying, come to us, Young Life says, we'll go to you. We'll come to you. I will sit at your baseball game. I will go to your track meet. I will go sit at your four-hour drill team show because you matter. Yes. And um, I was in a season where that just really spoke to me. And so stepped in. Uh, Young Life Pearland is very active at Dawson High School. Um, moving towards Pearland High School again. We, it's funny, the tides have turned. Used to be very active in Pearland and just kind of shifted. It's all volunteer-led, minus um, you know just a couple people on staff here in the area. And so it's really um, the heart of the community. Where are people willing to serve and where are they willing to go into? And that's where we're going to be. And so um, those tides have turned. But yeah, we welcome anywhere from 40 to 60 kids every week um, at various different ministries. We go into the schools every single week and carry the gospel um, and earn the right to be heard by building relationships with these teenagers and covering up our toes and <laughs> spending a lot of time on Urban Dictionary trying to figure out what sus means and what it is to have riz. Um, and yeah, uh, it is another deeper way that God has called me into like, hey, you have a voice. And I was like, well, the one thing I've never done is youth ministry and never thought that I would. And he's like, okay, cool. This is your path. Um, but I've just come to love it so much. They are so hungry for the word of God. They are so wanting to know something bigger than themselves and truth. And I am so tired of hearing people complain about our school system that aren't willing to go in and young life is there and they're dedicated. And so, um, yeah, really honored to be a part of this ministry in leading and loving these kids in the way that God does uh, and loving their families because family's the most important discipleship that we can do still today. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. We have an episode two coming up, but I just, uh, if you have comments, suggestions, I'd love to hear from you. And so just email me at sheleadscomments at gmail.com. I'd love to create a space where we can interact, where we can answer questions. There can be a little commentary between um, me and the audience. And so I hope that you'll use that. Also like us, share us, uh, send this to a friend who knows Nikki, who would love to hear more of her story and what she's up to, or if this was, if you were moved by this in any way. I'm Thea. Thanks for joining us for She Leads.